0: Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Welcome to episode 13 of The Story Studio with your hosts, Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now.
2: Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, entrepreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and today I'm joined by... Uh,
1: Luke Condor with a K. And? And Ben Errington with an E. Yeah, yeah right. there is an E in yeah. there. Yeah. There is one. And at some point, Dan, we should work out a harmony and uh, do that intro <laughs> together. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be... Welcome to oh. the story studio! <laughs> I was going to try them, but then I'm not going to
2: embarrass myself with harmonies.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Can I beatbox? To the story studio. Can I beatbox Welcome over it, to it as well. Do that again, Dan. Yeah. Welcome to, to the, the, story the Story Studio. studio. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> okay. Professional as fuck. That was, um, that was beautiful. <laughs> so, we're, today we're going to be talking to Mr. Ben Errington about his first novel that I know about. You haven't got any secret novels, have you, Ben?
3: No, I've got no. Well,. Yeah, well yeah, I've kinda of got a secret novel.
2: You've got secrets. Good. I've got secret <laughs> I've got plenty of secrets. The mind um, novels dark, count as terrifying. secret novels. Say again? The mind novels count as secret novels, because I've got thousands in my head.
1: Oh yeah, the mind novels. They're my favorite mm. ones. <laughs> the mind novels. <laughs> no, no. They've got to have a barcode, otherwise they don't exist. <laughs> so I kind of figured that like we- we've all done we've finished books, we've finished projects. And we should probably talk about what we've learned from doing them. I feel like once you finish a project, you should be able to take, like, come away with some takeaways. So I figured that's what we could do for, like, not only this book, but other books that we do in the future. So, like, Dan, when we've done ours, we could maybe interview each other about what we find from them, and we'll get Skip on to do um, one about Deeper Than the Grave, and we'll do one about El Marvo as well.
0: Yeah, that'd be good.
1: But first, it feels super early. We don't normally record this early. It's really Actually, early, isn't it? There's, there's actual daylight Yeah.
2: <laughs> for all the people listening. You can, you can listen to the daylight.
1: I can't hear you it. You can listen to the
2: daylight. It feels good to be
3: up this early on a Sunday, though, yeah? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I tried but to get out of bed at 8, and then I fell back asleep for about another hour or so.
3: That's all right. We'll let you off on a
1: Sunday. Yeah,
3: thank you. I got up, I got up, I got up super early, and I went for a swim.
1: You mean you That's had super a bath? Early.
2: You've
3: been for a swim? In the bath. I went for a swim. Yeah. So I'm all I'm, oh, all, okay. all, I'm all chlorine covered right now. How many lengths? How many lengths did I do? Well, I, I aim for about 50 nice. at 20, 20, 25 meters. But sometimes I just get a little bit fed up. Or uh, I always end up in the same lane as either someone who's incredibly fast showing me up or someone who's incredibly slow. And then I'm awkwardly, yeah, I'm awkwardly like a foot behind them. You know, it's just oh, like their right. ass.
1: The worst swim is when you're being beaten by like a five-year-old dolphin boy. It's just like, <laughs> f- like doing just lapping you constantly. It's insane.
2: Some people. Have you ever been swimming rough. and and someone behind you who is faster decides to go under you?
3: Oh my god,
1: no! And no, they just the appear out of nowhere, just like. Do you grab onto <laughs> their feet? Terrifying. Do you grab onto their feet and just go for a ride? <laughs> just go, high ho, silver. Yeah. No, that's never happened. That's kind of weird.
3: I don't have that. Yeah. I've had some I've had someone like really close behind me, but they're so impatient that they're just like they don't they don't care about just like nudging me. Yeah. they're just swimming and they're just hitting against my feet and they're just like I'm just like, just calm the fuck down. Just let me just take, take over when <laughs> we get to this. I, I,
1: always feel, I always feel bad when I kick people behind me. Just give them a quick boot in oh, the yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've so
3: probably... kicked someone I've kicked someone in the <laughs> <laughs> I've kicked someone like in the lane next to me before. Like I've got Got a little bit. Not sure exactly where I am. Yeah. And how long are your legs? My foot's got a little bit, a <laughs> little bit out, yeah. out of control, and it's gone sideways. I've kicked someone, and I've just, you know, I've just, yeah. I don't even say sorry. I'm yeah. <laughs> <How's laughs> I not roll. I'm
2: a rebel.
1: Uh, Dan, what are you up to, man?
2: Uh, editing still cracking through. I finished the first section of "They Remain" because um, I'm kind of. I've been listening to a lot of story structure podcasts and reading a lot of story structure stuff and just trying to see it in my head as the five main points of a story. So you've got your beginning hook. I'm going to just show myself up here. Beginning
1: hook. Inciting kind of like incident. Inciting incident. The lock-in, then, I think it's called. Or... Yeah. Is it called the lock-in? I call it the middle bit.
2: The middle bit? <laughs> <laughs> and then you've, <laughs> then you've got your all this last moment and then you've got your conclusion or you, if you're doing a series kind of towards the end. Yeah. I think I'm... I've, I've, I'm up to about, just finished a second point. So we've just had the big inciting incident where it kind of pushes forward into the rest of the story. Okay. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Really, um, the the process and the way that we've been doing it just means that now I'm at this point and I'm going through the draft that you're doing. I just feel like I understand the story more and what it needs to do. Yeah. So it's just plowing through that, getting the edits done. Um, but the weird thing is because when I do word counts, now I've gotten to the point that I know how long it takes me to do a certain amount of words, so I can almost predict how long it's going to take before I'm finished. Whereas editing is a completely different ball game. It's some bits are stickier, some bits are easier. Yeah. So it's working out in my head how long that's going to take, and just trying to roll with it and learn.
1: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I think I know what you mean when you say if you. So we planned each other's books, and then we swapped, and then we wrote the opposing book and now we've gone back to the original book and just having that removal and then coming back makes it quite easy to it just makes it a lot clearer you know exactly you have a better idea of what should be happening when
2: yeah yeah you just get this I think we said it before you get like a bird's eye perspective where you can just kind of go this works this needs a bit of work and then maybe there are a couple of things missing to connect the dots but Yeah. yeah enjoying it
1: Yeah, yeah me too
2: have you guys changed the title of that? Yes.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. We were going to call it just... they, "They Rot" because it um, it seemed to work in the planning, but now it's less turning into less and less of a zombie book and more of a post-apocalyptic survival style thing. So rotting. there is some rotting, but that feels like more of the title rot. to the sequel. It, they rot a bit. They they <laughs> rot. They've done some rot, and then uh, <laughs> but like the se- we think that'll be the title rot. of the second book. All oh, right, yeah, okay.
2: yeah, yeah. The first so, one seems to be a, a lot more of the human condition, oh, and uh, <laughs> and, no. less, and less of the uh, actual rotters themselves. So, mm. so what are you calling it? You call it "They Remain"?
1: I think Brexit so, one. It's the,
2: it's the one, they Remain. That,
3: actually, um,
1: <laughs> that title actually did come to me after Brexit. So you know, I do the oh, right. the story ideas I just, every day. Um, yeah. the day after Brexit, it's not exactly the same story as "They Remain," but. The initial <laughs> seeds are planted at that point. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So so you're going for they remain? Uh,
3: yeah. I think so. Oh, that's quite good. Yeah. I do like it. I do like it. Is it just like
1: people just going,
3: no, I will not, uh, I will not accept Brexit. Post-apocalyptic <laughs> world now.
1: Yeah, they're still going to about Brexit, even though there is no EU anymore. it's <laughs> the- years in the future.
3: But... Yeah. Is anyone else sick of, <laughs> sick of the word Brexit? Where did it come from? I swear yeah. when like the re- I swear when the referendum was like first put across and then in the weeks leading up to it the word Brexit didn't exist.
1: Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. It's like anything though, isn't it? I mean, I think I prefer Brexit to bromaine. Oh my god. How just like, like, I haven't even heard, that one. heard that I've heard that? No, that was for the other side. That kinda of sounds like, you know, bromaine. Yeah. Sounds like an American come on, bro. Bro,
3: don't you want to remain? Come on, bromain. It's okay. Yeah, Brexit is just the word just the word. I just don't what I don't like is Word Brexit, and then the play on words that like the media use with the word Brexit, it just it just it's agonizing. You know, it's, so, all,
2: it's awful, it's, it's very clever stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so
3: what we do is we're gonna take two words and slam them together. There we go.
1: I do that just, all the time to an annoying degree with cat. Like, <laughs> no matter what we're doing, I'll put words together and try and make puns that really shouldn't be puns. I'll, I'll, funny. I'll, I'll uh, enjoy myself. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. I'll enjoy myself, My... but Kat will just shake her head in shame.
2: The <laughs> one that made me laugh was when I was at um, uni with pre-drinks after a couple of years became prinks. <laughs> and I, I hate that, absolutely hate that, but that just seemed to be a lingering thing. Who's up for some prinks? Prinks.
3: Pre-drinks <laughs> <very, very> <laughs> is a bit odd as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah, just yeah, a little bit. It's just, it's just drinks.
1: They are just drinks, yeah.
2: yeah. I have once done pre drinks
3: that's
1: free, I the night I before.
2: Yeah, I didn't turn up to drinks. <laughs> free drinks are
3: dangerous anyway, aren't they? We've all, we've all died at free drinks and never seen the actual night out.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had some yeah. uh, Lambrini once before I went out. I think, it, <laughs> I think it had gone off or something because like it's not even Obscurez. that strong. Yeah, but it was. Um, I think I had like half a bottle, went out to the first pub, threw up and had to go home. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it just it ruined me.
3: Was it Lambrini original or Lambrini raspberry?
1: uh original i think original rasbrini yeah.
3: rasbrini oh yes there we go <laughs> L- lambrini i find is is just a bit yeah it's disgusting a bit yeah, it's, urinal. Not
1: nice. it's a bit urinal. it is a bit urinal <laughs> it's a bit you What in <laughs> what have you been working on Ben?
3: what have i been working on i've got a couple of scripts going on at the moment a couple of short film scripts that i kind of like they're I'm just working through, you know, I'm probably on the second draft of one of them and the first draft of another. Uh, So yeah, it's going pretty well so far, both short films, both pretty individual. There was one that kind of, I was really enjoying the plot was coming together for really well. Then I watched an episode of black mirror and it was so similar. (laughs) There were like, there were just like a couple of, a couple of things that happened in it. I was just like, that's exactly the same. So Mm. I've gone back to the, I've gone back to the guy I'm working with on it now and we're going to try and kind of tweak it so it's not too Black
1: Mirror-y. I think I might know what you mean, which uh, leads us on to, I reckon, the big whoops of the week, because there's something I want to talk about in the big whoops. Oh, look at that. That was smooth. Segway. Um, Segway. Yeah, so the big whoops of the week. Does anyone want to go first? What a big whoop.
3: I'll go first. Why the devil not? Okay, my big whoop for the week is a uh, South Korean zombie film Called Train to Busan. I don't know if you guys have heard of this.
1: I saw the trailer. It looks pretty epic.
3: Did you see the trailer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw the trailer, and I think I watched it like an hour later because I was like, "That looks yeah. intense." And uh, it was intense. It was really, really good. You know, like I, I quite like South Korean cinema anyway, but I've not really like kept up to speed with much over the last few years. Mm. I mean, I like, all, I like all the classics and stuff, but I've not really kept up to speed with new releases probably for three or four years. So, as soon as I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, that looks really good. But it is, complete, it is a really, really sort of like unique zombie film. But it's also got like really good characters as well. It is a bit over the top, it's a bit a dramatic. um, But it, and and it's pretty, and it's pretty terrifying as well.
2: Hmm.
3: I'd definitely, I'd definitely give it a shot. Is that, and what, is that
2: in... on Netflix or is that? Uh, is that
3: no, no, about... no, no. I, I just, I just found a stream somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But uh yeah, I was I was trying to see if it was like a cinema release or something, but uh couldn't couldn't find anything anywhere.
1: Yeah.
3: So uh but I'm sure it'll be available to stream sometime soon. I think it's out in various I think yeah. it's out minimal in sort of like
1: release. I bet there'll be like in like independent cinemas somewhere. Like there's always one quirky independent cinema in every city, I'm sure it'll be there.
3: Yeah, 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 exactly. I I was just feeling really impatient. It, the kind of tra- the trailer got under my skin a bit and I was like, Oh I really wanna really wanna watch that. Yeah. But it was it, it, even though the trailer looks amazing. The film's so much better. It's just, yeah. It's just got, it's just got really good characters. Characters you sort of love, absolute despicable characters as well. And, and what's uh, it called again? Train to Busan. And it's just, it's paced really well. And you, and you know, like sometimes in these zombie films, you're just like, that is completely unbelievable. There's absolutely no way that would happen. There's no way these people would make those decisions. This film, you're like, it all kind of makes sense. It all sort of comes together. Yeah. And, uh, and the action's really good as well. And the and the CGI is great as well. As well, because there are some there are some ridiculous bits in it with absolute swarms of zombies, um, but it all looks really good. Is it quite a high budget, or um, I guess it's got a fairly it must have a fairly decent budget because there's a lot of explosions and shit.
1: Yeah, what other South <laughs> Korean films would you recommend?
3: Oh God, um, well obviously you have got the obvious ones like the Vengeance trilogy. So, um, Old Boy, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Lady Vengeance. They're all good. All pa- Chan, but... all Park Chan Wook stuffs good.
1: Oh, have you seen... Um, uh, speaking of Park Chan-wook, um, I'm a Cyborg I'm, and that's okay. Do you know what? Um, that's one I haven't seen. That is amazing, I've got to say. It's is, mental, that is, that is but it's Jan-Wook, amazing. Though. Yeah, yeah.
3: Park, Chan, Park Chan-wook... Uh, oh, the good, the bad, and the weird? Seen that?
1: I don't think so, no. Pretty sure that's Park Chan-wook.
3: Anyway, that's like a Western. That's
1: uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. There's, that, a, that's like... there's a South Korean film uh, I saw a while ago that's pretty mental. It's about a... Um, a detective, he's after a serial killer, but he doesn't want to just capture the killer. He starts like talk oh, to yes, him. It is brutal. I saw the devil. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's absolutely brutal. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That is that is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely recommend
3: I saw the devil. Yeah, that's probably that's I mean, that's like a cat and mouse thriller or like a sort of serial killer thriller, but it's completely different to anything you you could expect because it's like when you catch the killer, you think catch the killer. That's it, but this is just goes so far beyond that. <laughs>
1: yeah, and he catches the killer pretty early on. And I was like, oh, well, that's that's the film. But then that's that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's the that's the start. That's the inciting incident.
0: Uh, yeah, uh,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh,
3: oh. Another i <laughs> film rep, rep, uh, I'd recommend: South Korean, The Host. Have you seen that? That's like a monster monster movie.
1: I think I caught like I've a, a few like minutes it. of it on like a late night yeah. Channel Four thing, and I was too tired, but it looked pretty. It's like the monster movie, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's like a monster movie, just some weird sort of like mutant monster thing comes out of comes out of the, of a river, I think, and starts sort of like killing people, eating people. But that's really good. But that's the thing. I feel like one, one thing I like about it, South Korean cinema is that the char- it is just the characters. Even in films that shouldn't necessarily be character focused, they always find a way to be really character focused and sort of give those films like a different edge. Hmm. Like hmm. standard monster films. I mean, how many monster films have you seen sort of like from Hollywood recently and you think, Oh god, those characters are really good. Some like oh I don't know, modern like the Godzilla for example. Yeah. Can you re- can you really remember anyone who was in that? I mean I know Brian Cranston was in that and so was. Um...
2: That's kind of the selling point, yeah.
3: Yeah, but there's and then there's, there's Soldier that um Aaron. Oh God, what's it? the dude the dude who played Kickass? Oh
1: really? Yeah. Aaron yeah. Taylor Johnson.
3: Exactly, and like no one even remembers that. Like, yeah. I was thinking <laughs> about it. I was thinking about it the other day, and I was like, oh my God, yeah, he's in it. Do you know what I mean? It's just forgettable characters, in it. and I know yeah. that the, the monster is the main focus of Godzilla, obviously. Yeah, but with someone like it's the host. those
2: characters that you can link to, relate to.
3: Yeah, I think that was one thing with tra- Train. to Busan, is kind of like you cared about people almost immediately, and even characters you didn't care about straight away. by the time it came round to them, either dying or be in peril, you're like, oh god, I really do care about them. I don't want, I don't want them to die. Or on the other hand, I definitely want that person to die. There is a, there is a character in Train to Busan, got to be one of the most despicable characters, of the year. You're just like, oh my God,
1: die. You've sold it.
2: It's, it's on my list now.
1: <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely yeah. check out, yeah. Dan, what about you, man? You got a big whoop?
2: Uh, yeah, my big whoop is um, that last week was the one year anniversary of Sins of Smoke for me. So that was the Ooh. novella that I wrote in 2015 that kind of kick started everything that I do writing wise. Um, and yeah, it was just, I remember, I, I actually forgot that I put it on my calendar as a reminder. And then it pops up and then obviously Facebook did it. It's, did you know that this happened a year ago? And I was like, yes, thank you, Facebook. That's lovely. Um, and yeah, it's just, I don't know. I have a lot of fondness for that book. Though <laughs> one of the things I've already found is that I'd love to go back and rewrite it. There are definitely hmm. some lessons I've learned in the last year that um, I to that book and I'd recraft it. But at the same time, I don't really want to touch it because yeah. that was the book that started it all um, and that I I did pretty well with So.
1: Do you, uh, I was thinking about this the other day when you first start like publishing and and producing stuff, you like your scale of what you can do and what you want to do is quite small compared to, and it just seems to build everything you do, sort of like opens your world a lot more. So you start thinking about like novels you can do, and then you start thinking about novel series, and then you start thinking about more than that, I guess, like making a bit of money from it or something, or it's just it all builds on top of each other.
2: Yeah, it comes back almost to that um, when we were talking before about habits and starting off small and building up. Um, mm. And to begin with, it was it was I did a couple of short stories which I sent off to some magazines and stuff and didn't really do anything with. Um, and then thought if I could do this, why not try a, a novella? So that turned into um, an eighteen thousand word story. And yeah, and since then it's just been trying to push and and do novels. So yeah, it, each each baby step opens up your gate that bit further. Hmm. It was just—it was just nice having that pop up in my calendar.
3: How uh, yeah. how often, if at all, do you guys go back and read like stuff you've written, like your old I, stuff?
2: I never read like my old <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no? Literally, once, once it's gone to print, I I put it aside. I might—I don't know. I think I need to leave enough time to go back and look at it with fresh hmm. eyes. But I've not read Sins of Smoke* in its entirety. At least I've read sort of small sections, but.
1: Yeah, no. I, th- I, try, I try not to. I mean, there's a couple of times with the hips from Out of space. Read it so many times before it came out. Like, I just could, didn't want to read it again for ages. And I had to when Ian did the audio book. I had to like listen through it again. And I can I can hear like bits had changed, but I kind of like that it's like a a time capsule of what I was writing like at that point in time. Um. Also, when we started putting stuff on Steam, I, I put some of my old short stories on, and like. I would not publish them now. Like if, if I was writing today, I would not publish them. They're just not good enough. But at the same time, I don't want to change them because I'd like to see that progression in the next however many years just to see how much I've changed and developed. It's good
2: to feel that, isn't it? It's good to actually... I think that's one of the things that motivates you is if you can see that progression in... I mean, a year, you can argue, is a really long about the time, a really short amount of time. In in terms of writing, I see it's quite a small amount of time a year, but... The fact that you can see what you could do better and understand that in your own work is, is yeah. testament to the fact that you're constantly improving.
1: Yeah.
2: I guess it
3: feels like a long amount of time considering everything we've done in the last year. If, you kind of pub- if you'd published that and then a year had gone by and you hadn't done anything else, it, oh, yeah. probably, it probably would seem like a lot of time. Yeah. But... yeah. yeah. What um, about you?
2: Do you read yours again, Ben? Um,
3: not in full, Exactly um with with a short story that i did called die pack when i wrote the sequel to it i did go back and read the whole thing just to sort of refresh myself with all with different plot points and some of the characters um and and yeah i did i did sort of see things that i thought god yeah i'd I'd definitely change that but i try not to think about it too much i didn't try and dwell on it so um other than that sort of like longer projects i'd probably I've, i've definitely like flicked through like books like Ten Tales, for example, I'd flick through that and read like a page. But again, I can kind of feel that if I get into it. And again, I, I have read it so many times, obviously when when it was edited and everything, that yeah. I do feel a bit like, oh, I've read all this before. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, I see I see plenty of things that I change and uh it's a little bit frustrating. But you know.
2: Yeah. I always find as a like a former editor that it's always a fear of typos for me. So I did actually when Sims was released, it was a week after. I opened it to a random page and just went, oh, shit, and just closed it because there was just a word spelt incorrectly. <laughs> and I, I, kind of, I, don't, and I went back and I edited it in the CreateSpace file and the KDP file, but it was just that I was like, how many of these have been
1: sold that are going to have that in? Yeah. But, yeah. You know, it's a page. You can't dwell on that too much because that will kill you.
3: <laughs> yeah. we, we've all noticed typos in, like, books from major authors, right?
1: Yeah. I've noticed yeah, those. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Mm.
3: I guess just think about that when you think,
2: when you think about it, if it can happen to the to the best. Yeah. I found one in um, a book that I've got. actually wrote it on the shelf uh, in the copy editing handbook, one of the most recommended books that I've ever found on copy editing. And I found a typo. That made me laugh. Wow. Oh, maybe, maybe
3: it was in there ironically.
2: Maybe. It was a test. Maybe. You passed the test. You passed the test. <laughs> <laughs> Here's £100. Yeah.
1: What's your... Whoop, Luke. Okay, so I wasn't gonna do this one, but I kind of have to. On the last episode, my big whoop was Black Mirror season three. This episode, I'm gonna do Black Mirror season three episode two. Like, (laughs) it's just I've seen the first three episodes now, so next the next podcast I might have to do episode four or something. I don't know, but it's just such a good show. Like, I was a bit worried when I saw the first episode of this new season that it was going to be a bit more Americanified, but it's not. It's um, it's a bit more global, I guess. But um, yeah. episode two, everyone's told me so far that episode three is their favourite, which is the... San the, um, Junipero's? No, it's the Shut Up and Dance one. It's oh, a, right. Okay, it's yeah. the one that I'm guessing is similar to your short film that you're working yeah.
3: on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah, you know a bit about that short film, so you yeah, must have yeah. seen, seen that there were a few... There was—it was just there were a couple of actual bits yeah. that, I, that I kind of done, and an idea including the big twist, yeah, <laughs> which which I wanted, to, which I wanted to
1: include. Oh, that twist is pretty pretty mental.
3: Yeah, I couldn't believe it as soon as I, I was watching it. I was watching it alone. I had the earphones on. My girlfriend was asleep next to me, and uh, I just turned and sort of poked her, and I was going to say, <laughs> "Oh my god." Oh my god, this is exactly the same.
2: But uh, yeah, I managed to. When uh, when that twist
1: can happened, can you not
2: pretend? Can you not pretend you've not seen it and just claim it?
1: God. I think what too many. A... Black Mirror is a bit of a <laughs> a, ph- a phenom at the minute. I think you can't really get away with that now. I don't yeah. know. Um, when that happened, that twist happened. Me and Cat like, looked at each other like, "What the? <laughs> it yeah, is yeah. that good?" But I actually prefer episode two, which is the playtest one. Like it's it's the the best horror. Film, and I say film just because it's it's an hour long, it's a self contained story, it's pretty much a full feature length film in a way. Um, But it's the best horror film I've seen in so long that actually terrified me. Like, I I watch horror films all the time, and they're they're about demons and ghosts and stuff that just doesn't exist in my mind. Like, I I don't believe in ghosts, I don't believe in anything like that. But this, this like augmented reality implant thing that he gets. Like, some of the endings and it was so haunting. I, I just went to sleep that night just with, with it, like, playing on my mind. Have you, have you seen that one, Ben?
3: Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. So that, like, yeah, yeah.
1: There's, like, three endings in that episode. Um, yeah. The first one, when he uh, said he doesn't know who he is, that, that one really got to me. Because it's, like, it could happen. Like, why? Yeah. And it probably will happen. Something crazy will happen like that at some point. But... Yeah, Dan, it's the most horrific thing. But, like, in the best way possible. It's on like, my list. Yeah. I think, I think... um Is the
3: dude... Is it the main dude? Who is he? The, the American I actor. didn't
1: recognise him, but I thought he was great. Like, he's such a likeable character throughout the throughout. Somebody the said episode. to me...
3: So, so yeah, somebody said to me he was Kurt Russell's son. But I don't know. I, I might need to IMDB <laughs> that. Yeah. I don't know if they were just saying he looked like him, but...
1: He was a... Like, he played the character so likeable. Like... So likable. like and I felt so sorry for him <laughs> at the end of the episode.
3: Just wanted a quick buck.
1: Yeah. Just wanted to get, uh, it, get home. It was,
3: it, it was a good one. I think it was really well paced. The endings were, as you said, haunting. It was, it was pretty intense, pretty terrifying. Yeah. I think maybe it needed a little bit more time to kind of like establish him in that house, seeing various things. Because it was almost like yeah. you saw a couple of things. Then the girl he'd been interacting with came into it. And, oh, then God, it yeah. spir- and then it kind of just spiraled out of control. So, I mean yeah, I, I,
1: I it needs a bit more. If it had like an extra half hour, if it was a full feature film, then it could have had <laughs> that extra half an hour to build that that craziness inside his mind that, that sort of building yeah. up over time. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great though. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't my
3: favorite episode of the series by a, by a long stretch. I think I tried to tried to rank in my head the six. And that obviously you've you've only seen three loops, so yeah you've, got, yeah, you've got three unbelievable ones coming up.
1: I uh, yeah, the one I've seen, I couldn't help but look at like some of those ranking lists, and um, the one that was on the top, uh, they say it's Charlie Brooker's masterpiece. It's like about like I think it's like near future London or something. I've not seen it yet, but um, I can't wait. I really can't is it, wait.
3: Is it, is it Man versus Fire or something like
1: that? Maybe I'm not too sure. But it's, it's one who's this doesn't happen very often. Nobody when to watch a series. I binge watch it and I just get through it really quickly. But I'm savoring them, so I really don't yeah, yeah. want to just like waste them. So I'm like me and Kat are, like watching one a night, and <laughs> yeah, I, just... I think I'll, I
3: think I watched them all in about a week.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't,
3: I didn't, I didn't go crazy. But yeah, I think the the three you got coming up, so San Junipero is just like it. Just the vibe, just the atmosphere of it is so different to Black Mirror because with Black Mirror every episode is like dread. Mm. What's gonna happen? What's gonna go wrong? what the horrible twist is going to happen where you're just like, oh my God. San Junipero is just so, so different to anything you've ever seen on that oh, show. Man, I can't but wait. Still, but still kind of like fits perfectly into the world that they've created. I know obviously they're all different standalone yeah. stories. Just fits perfectly in there. And the other two, I mean, of the the last episode like an hour and a half as well.
1: Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, you get a bit of, bit of time to sort of build with that. But yeah. I, would say, I wouldn't say anything else, but...
1: Yeah, check yeah. Dan, are you uh, are you salivating at all? You should be. a little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. it's, no,
2: it's um, I'm kind of at the minute. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm so so behind. I keep just seeing myself as that slowpoke meme, um, but just like <laughs> I'm. Uh, I texted my mate the other day going, "Oh my god, episode ten of Jessica Jones is so good," and he was like, "Yeah, I told you <laughs> six months ago," um, but now I'm I, I kind of I like to work my way through things, and Black mm. Mirror is on my list after I finish Jessica Jones.
1: Well, the good thing about Black Mirror is you can just. A la carte, you can just uh, like watch any episode, like, um, yeah. randomly because they're just their own little short stories. But I just can't go. I, yeah. I need to, I need to
2: just put the time in and watch it. Yeah. This, season, it, this it...
1: season is better than the first two. It's like, although yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's two episodes different from the first two seasons, which I just <coughs> absolutely love. Like, some of my favorite stories of all time. But I think yeah. the season's just genuinely the, the quality is just better.
3: Does it, does it inspire you to write yeah. more stuff for, for the other stories? Yeah, I mean so the other they're, stories
1: they're, is a bit more fantastical, isn't it? We we do a bit more <coughs> a bit more of everything whereas this is very focused on that techno paranoia. Um do you, do you, do you think that some of the other stories could very easily be black mirror episodes? Yeah, especially some of the video game ones and uh some of yeah. the more uh fun tra- not, not, fun travel ones? Yeah, like the more the more sort of realistic, the more grounded episodes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool
3: let's, let's pitch them for, for season
1: four <laughs> <laughs> that should be an episode we should do an episode where we all pitch a black mirror episode that could be cool that would be good so um should we, should we move on to the main course of the episode yes. <coughs> uh so 10 Delicious. tales of the human condition uh when did it, it came out
0: christmas time head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Last year, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it came out last year. Maybe, I think it was, was it before Christmas? I think it was like the 19th of December, something like that. Right. So
1: yes, yeah, it's coming up to a year that it's been, it's been out out there. Cool on its own, (laughs) and when was like the (laughs) so that's when it was published? When did the initial idea come to you? Oh, wow!
3: The initial idea would have been load would have been years ago, I reckon 2009 because I think in 2009 I was working with an artist to try try and make it into a fully fledged graphic novel, yeah. And then that took that probably took about two years to get about 15 pages done. It just, took, it, just, it just took forever, you know? I mean, that was just that was the pace that me and the artists were working at. Yeah. But then it got to that point, and by the, in terms of the amount of money I'd, I'd spent and, and the way the story was going, I was thinking I could probably just write this as a novel and it's going to, you know what I mean, I'll be able to say a lot more. And mm. it wouldn't cost me as much.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think it works as like a novel, potentially more than a graphic novel, but then again, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a
3: lot There's a lot more in the novel than the, when yeah. there was going to be in a graphic novel. The graphic novel was going to be quite, you know, it was only going to be about, oh, I don't know, 100 yeah. pages. I say only, yeah. but obviously as a standalone graphic novel, that's yeah. quite a lot. Yeah.
2: It works in that kind of format because reading the actual story, you can, the characters and just the kind of action that is there, it's very, very high paced and it would, I could see it working fantastically as a graphic novel, but like you say, that's a a much longer process and... Yeah, um, I,
3: I think at that point when I was writing, I wanted to write for comics and I wanted to write my own comics. I didn't really want to write novels and, yeah. and anything else, anything else like that. I'd never really been on my radar. Uh, so obviously, the the experience of writing, in the end, writing the book, sort of did turn me to wanting to write novels. Yeah.
2: So what what brought the mental switch from comic to novel? How was that? How did that work for you? Was it sort of easy to go onto prose, or was it a bit more difficult?
3: Um, I'd kind of like experimented with prose, um, in the past and I'd written sort of like chunks of books and I'd written stuff when I was much younger as well, where I'd kind of like been thinking, you know, I do want to write sort of books like that, but then making the transition then from wanting to be a comic writer into that, that I think it was just, as I sort of got into writing the book as I was probably about a quarter of the way through it, it was then that I realized, Oh, actually this is probably a much better way of telling the story and probably a much better way of telling stories for me, at least. Uh, yeah, so I guess that's what—that's when the transition... I realised the transition was going to happen.
1: Although we'd, I don't sort of have as much experience as I would like writing like publishing comic books, hopefully in the next few years we will have a bit more of that. Um, I, yeah, do, yeah. I have generally found writing books is way easier... or producing books is way easier than producing comic books. Just quicker, <laughs> cheaper, like... Yeah. You can just get the ideas out there really, really quick. Whereas comic books... Just, I think I was reading an interview with Gerard Way, you know, the My Chemical Romance singer. Oh, yeah? He, um, so he's a comic book writer as well. He is um, he's basically... Yeah, what does he
3: write? Is it the Umbrella...
1: Well, he wrote uh, that Umbrella was, Academy. What's it called? Umbrella uh, Academy, yeah. But now he's basically... He's got his own imprint within DC called Young Animal. He's got four comic books. He's, he's writing one or two. He's overseeing the overall production of, of this little line of comic books. But he said writing comic books and producing comic books is one of the most difficult things he's ever done. Like even more than the My Chemical Romance albums, which are pretty epic. Like, you know, in the, the overall productions he was like the, the art director on those as well. And the videos and stuff. Um Yeah, because yeah, then he
3: when he was the art director. What's his story? Didn't he initially want to be an illustrator or something? And then he was travelling to New York and I think he was around about in New York when nine eleven happened.
1: Uh, and that
3: kind of inspired him to going to bring his friends together and make a band? I don't don't know. I
1: should look into that, but he seems like a really interesting guy. Uh, Even if people aren't fans of his music, they should check out his comic book work, because it's really interesting. He's he's doing more of the weirder side of comics, which DC (laughs) don't normally do. Um, Do you think
2: part of that's in in the collaboration process itself? So, like, if you're writing novels and stories, it is very much... If you wanted to, I mean, always recommend getting proofreaders and editors further down the line, but if you wanted to, you could easily just write from start to finish, book, pop it online, done. Whereas with comics, obviously, your strengths tend to either be in the writing or in the illustrating.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess, it, yeah, it's finding those collaborators who, you know, do you know what I mean, have got the same work ethic as you, got the same drive as well, uh, can kind of like bring a story to life. with. Because obviously sometimes when you're working with an illustrator, they might seem like the right illustrator to start with, then you get a few pages in, and you're just like, oh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's, not, that's not that's not me saying from personal experience. Like I can imagine, that's what it's like. You know, you slave away over a script, and with characters and stories that you're, um, and then you put all the groundwork in, trying to get the illustrator, and then they provide you with something. And I'm sure there's times when people go,
2: not sure. If Actually, that this is what I wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you find your original illustrator for um, a boxable Society bath?
3: Um, I think I got in touch with him via Deviant Art. We've all we've we've all dabbled a little bit deviant art. Uh, I uh, think I just saw his stuff and I I enjoyed it. I think he was dr- I think he was drawing stuff from the TV show Heroes at the time, which I think mm. at the time I was I was big in I was really into that show, and I kind of like saw his drawings and just contacted him and said, look, I've got an idea for a comic. Would you be interested? And I just got chatting to him and I think we I think we were chatting for a number of weeks before we ever sort of made made a start on it. But, yeah, he was really good at sort of putting together. I mean, oh, yeah, his name's Nino Haran Kajion. He's uh, from the Philippines. So, yeah, he was really good at putting together sort of all the initial character sketches um, and everything. And then when he did the se- sequential sort of art, it was amazing.
1: It was just, just, just black and white as well. Have you ever considered turning 10 hours back into a graphic novel?
3: Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of feel like I'm done with, with Finish that. with it. Yeah, finish with it and uh, it's nice because I've got the 15 pages that kind of like act as a not really a prequel but just like a little taster because I've yeah. got that it kind of feels like enough for me to have that alongside the book I like yeah. can always go back to it and sort of look at it and you kind of like see the sort of characters there which is a good sort of thing to have
2: before you go and before you go and read the book yeah definitely yeah. Yes. if you say um, so your, your the story came to you sort of years ago 2008, 2009 um, yeah when when it came around to that process of turning it from graphic novel into book, did you kind of, because it's a very sort of high-paced action thriller type book, did you do any research around other genres? Did you um, look at what other people were doing? Or did you just kind of go, this is a story I want to tell and just roll with it?
3: It was a bit, I kind of, I've been reading a lot of like Chuck Palahniuk and um, Brett Easton Ellis, sort of stuff like that. Sort of like quite quite high-paced dramatic sort of thrillers. Um, with, with obviously a lot of violence in them. Um, that was kind of all the research I'd needed at that time to mm. kind of help me craft my own story. And uh, as I said, because it was like the first book I'd written, really properly sort of sat down to to write, I didn't really know what I was doing. So, uh, so there was pretty much no planning. There was no mapping out of the plot or thinking about things. I kind of just had the idea of what I wanted to happen in my head. Maybe not even all of it, probably like two thirds of it. And I just started writing. And that, that was obviously why, by the time I finished, I had way too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: what, would you th- what would you say like, the biggest uh, challenges were when you were trying to, in the writing and in the, the, the publishing process?
3: Um, I think everything was a challenge. Absolutely yeah. every step of it. Because it was the first time I was doing almost everything involved. Mm. From, from the writing process, the editing process. To the publishing process as i said because it was because it was the first time i was doing it it was all brand new information um so yeah everything was a everything was a challenge but then that's good it's good to find to kind of get over that hump mm. of doing it doing it for the first time yeah and once you get over that hump
1: you know, yeah. you
2: know what i mean see this is where i say like since the smoke it was that well my first experience with actually publishing was i'd written a play um at, at university that did reasonably well grade wise i say reasonably well i did very well um, and I just kind of... Oh! <laughs> being being <laughs> modest. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I basically just threw that into a Word document and threw it online as a test of how to go through the process. Um, whereas I find it sort of almost inspiring, or not almost, inspiring that you had this, like, several hundred-page book yeah. as your start starting point, whereas a lot of people do tend to start with novellas or shorter stories to just get, get their head around how it all works.
1: I'm, I'm going to admit that Ben... Blew my doors open. <laughs> <laughs> just something I say every now and again. But like when we first started at Hawking Cleaver, I'd only been like writing short stories and stuff. And then Ben said, Oh, I've got this like 110,000 word novel. And then it was only after that I sort of realized that it was sort of possible. And it wasn't long after that when I wrote my first novel, just because I knew that we could do it in a way.
3: I, I blew your bloody doors off. You did. <laughs> But it was it like, God, if that guy could do it <laughs> literally, literally anybody can. <laughs> literally anybody can, right? I'm getting yeah, down to it right can. now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um... no, that's that's good, that's good though, because I, I feel like I feel like that um obviously once from listening to your podcasts like a couple of years ago, Luke, mm. obviously when I first got in contact with you, that was the step I needed to take. It was almost like other people around me legitimizing the writing and the publishing process yeah it did kind of give me that nudge because there wasn't really anybody that i knew who was writing was yeah i was going to tw- ask
2: if um, you actually had anyone you could talk to about the publishing stuff or if you were just you know an island out in the ocean
3: i was pretty much an island out in the ocean yeah and i was i was making smoke signals and uh, <laughs> I, made, I made friends with a volleyball and uh, <laughs> you know it was it, it was difficult but that was the thing that was i needed to make that i need to reach out to somebody initially To get, and then obviously I got a lot of knowledge from Luke. He told me a lot of stuff, and then once that's done, once I've done that, then obviously can move forward with bigger, bigger stuff. So yeah, yeah.
2: So that was kind of how I came across Matt because I was writing or just trying to get into the writing scene and meet people that were doing it through um, a friend of a friend of a friend. I was recommended his book, The Jump. Read that and was like, oh, he's he's an indie author. He's awesome. And then just on a whim, just sent him a message and got talking to him. So I think putting yourself out there and actually just talking to people because I find that indie authors are very, very friendly and very happy oh, yeah, to definitely. talk about ways to do
3: And there's so many ways to do it as well. Like Sometimes it's good to have just like a, if you follow loads of authors on Twitter, sometimes I have a nice little sh- sh- short conversation, emailing people directly and just like asking them, you know, a world of questions. Yeah, because yeah, pe- people are always willing to, and I feel the same now because I've, de- I've definitely had, I mean, it's, it's a bit bit of a shocker that people would but people have kind of reached out to me and sort of said oh god how did you publish this book i've you know i've written a little bit a couple of people on my facebook uh, friends list have done that and then a couple of couple of random emails i've had before so it's good to sort of try and put across the knowledge you've gained and sort of help other people mm. help other little authors sprout out of the ground
2: <laughs> so they're not an island they're not an island yet. yeah <laughs> if um if you could go back well, not so much go back, but if you were now to start and completely redo Ten Tales of Human Condition, what lessons do you think you've learned in that initial process that you're going to take forward? Because I know you've got a book planned for next year, which yeah. is yeah, yeah, uh, the, the Pursuit. The Pursuit, the pursued, yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything sort of major that you're taking forward from that that you're going to carry over into that book?
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think absolutely loads, really. <laughs> absolutely loads, because I think with Ten Tales I did just sort of I used to sit down and just write so much. And there was no real, there, was, there wasn't really much substance behind it. It was kind of just just writing pants in, as you say. Mm, uh, just, yeah. just writing pretty much whatever came to me. I had some sort of idea of plot. But now I think mapping out plot is really, really important. Thinking about stuff a lot more. Because um, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd write plot points and sort of different things that the book could hinge on. And I'd write them, just they'd come to me, and I'd write them immediately then. Do you know what I mean? There's no fault behind it. Yeah. I think now I'm going to put, you know what I mean, with every with anything I've written in the last year or so, there's a lot more fault behind it, a lot more planning. Um, I like to write out really simple sort of like treatments of the whole thing. So at least I've got something to reference when I'm writing and when I'm sort of breaking it down as well. And I think I'll think a lot more about word count too. Whereas mm. with 10 Tales, obviously, by the time I got to 110,000 words, which was a lot, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did obviously trim out a lot of that. I ended up. I think I ended up at around about seventy, seventy-five thousand. So obviously, there's a lot to lose, but because there was a lot of waffle. Mm. So I think. So I think now I know. I think I've learned how not to waffle <laughs> in my writing. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: guess. So I, think I, I do to like bit... when you... Sorry, um, go on. I was gonna say, I do like when um, you do, you know, message with an idea and say, oh, "I'm thinking of doing this," and then a couple of days later, you almost bring out. Like a two page synopsis of what the story is going to be. It's really interesting reading those because that's, that's just a really good way to outline what it is you're doing and get the idea behind it and the, the gears rolling.
3: Yeah. yeah, I like to do that. I like to do that now. I don't know about you guys if you, if you do that with the synops- synopsis or the treatments and write out sort of like start to finish what's going to happen.
1: Uh, I do to we a have- degree, yeah. I mean, I like to um, more and more nowadays, I like to create almost like a Hollywood elevator pitch of what the story would be. And yeah. That, yeah. Every day, so I, one of my things at the minute is I try and come up with like a new idea every day. That's what I'm trying to get it to the point where it's a pitch where I could give it to someone and they could, you know, visualize what the story would be. I'd like to get to that point now for myself when I'm writing a book. Um, did we do that with Project Dan? Dan, I can't remember. We we sort
2: of did. I, I, we kinda,
0: Dan, We Dan. came up
1: with, <laughs> we came up with um
2: initial just a paragraph of what the story could be and roughly the mechanics, but yeah I don't think it was any, it wasn't it wasn't anything detailed. I think when it came to actually writing the beats it was i I put bullet points for the key points I wanted to happen, but it wasn't so much a flowy almost prose version synopsis of what the story was. It was more just like bullet bullet, bullet, bullet,
1: yeah
3: yeah I, f- I think that definitely helps because I forget stuff as well so like, <laughs> yeah. so like I might think, oh this is gonna be amazing to put in in like the second act or this is gonna be amazing to put in towards the end. And then, unless I've got it there in that treatment or in that synopsis, I forget stuff.
2: Yeah. I think I had it on one of um, our Scribner files. I think I actually had a little folder that was just called Word Vomit. And it was right, just yeah, literally yeah. like, this could happen and this, possibly this. Oh my God, what is this? And just kind of literally let my mind run free.
1: Yeah. I think mean, that's important.
2: Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's good. It's good to do that.
3: I tend to do that with like a, a dialogue rather than sort of having having sort of like a. A sort of breakdown of a scene or something. I would tend to I'd base a lot of my ideas initially on on dialogue between you know usually two characters, sometimes sometimes more
2: than that. But I'd literally I'd write nothing else but the dialogue. Yeah. Sure, I've always been interested in that idea. I have thought of that because my one of the first experiences of writing I did was stage scripts, and that obviously is sort of dialogues and stage directions. I've always wondered about crafting a chapter around the dialogue.
1: Yeah. That's how Tarantino does it. Um, he, I can't remember where I read, but he, he said he, when he's writing a scene, he'll just write 30 or so pages of them talking to each other to find out what they're actually going to talk about. And then he'll know what mm. they're, that's why, I think that's why his scenes are so dialogue heavy. They're also, mm. they work in that way as well.
3: That makes Very sense. Because I, I guess the hate for late was, was you know what I mean? so much dialogue in pretty much one place as well, yeah. the whole film, for like a two and a half hour film. Yeah. And you know, have you heard what uh, sorry, change subject, have
1: you heard what Tarantino said recently? Is he retiring he's retiring after two more movies.
3: Yeah, two I, more movies
1: uh, and he's done. I heard him say something similar a while back, because um, I know he said he doesn't want to be keep make, he wants to make a certain number of films and then just leave and yeah. have like a perfect record um, mm-hmm. Has it been a perfect record? though? I can't, I can't think of any stinkers. Everything um, I've seen the this
2: has been
3: the, fantastic. There are no, there are no stinkers. The, the only one for me that I can't really call a film that I love is Jackie Brown. Yeah, well, Jackie a, lot, Brown, a, lot, yeah. a lot of people do love that. Um, but apart from have that, you, it's a pretty much perfect record. Surely. Have you seen True Romance? Oh yeah, man. Oh, True Romance. Well, so he, he just he just wrote that, didn't he? Yeah. 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 True Romance is definitely. Definitely up there in my top ten.
1: Uh, what uh, I know, some people. I mean, I quite liked it, but Death Proof, I don't think, was as wildly loved as some yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's a good point, actually. Um, I I did like Death Proof, but it didn't feel because because of that whole Planet Terror, Death Proof, Grindhouse, weird thing that kind of like in some some cinemas they were both together and then they were like separate. Because of that, it did kind of like knock it back a bit, didn't it? it didn't seem, yeah. but that, but then I think as a film on its own. It is. it is really good yeah it's probably it's probably it's not nowhere near one of his best
1: but he's talked about um uh how death proof and kill bill um maybe a couple others um are films within his film universe so like he yeah. has pulp fiction and um uh, the world war 2 one how it's called now um but they all or, take place
2: uh, in glorious bastards
1: yeah they all take place within his tarantino verse And then the the more film, uh, sort of pastiche ones, I guess, are like films that take place, films within his Tarantino-verse, which is quite interesting.
3: Yeah, Yeah, well, because obviously in pop fiction and Reservoir Dogs, you've got Vincent Vega, so John Travolta's character, and Michael Madsen's character from Reservoir Dogs are brothers, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. I like that idea of building a universe. I've
3: heard heard a few more sort of like funny little rumours about people who might be related or people who might have met each other
1: yeah
2: mm. so would you recommend writing the dialogue as a good technique to try, or do you think that's kind of it could it's be obviously, difficult obviously something? it
3: de- obviously it depends what works for you but um in terms of in terms of some of the stuff I'm writing at the moment, a lot of it hinges on the dialogue
2: mm.
3: uh especially like in the last couple of short stories I've published, I feel like it hinges on the dialogue, so I've kind of like written the dialogue for a couple of key scenes that are like anchor points mm. that I know that I know are going to kick off this. This sort of section of the book, and then we need to eventually get to this dialogue. Do you know what I mean, and then once I've got the dialogue there, it's quite good to kind of like link it all together.
1: Mm. I'm, I'm going to try yeah. it. I would say I've noticed that um, dialogue—the best dialogue I've consistently—is in comic books. I don't know what it, I don't know why yeah. it is, but um, because I guess because it's so important, like it's it's not hidden within other text; it's just so out there. But the dialogue in comic books is normally. Spot on, and if if it's bad dialogue, you can you can see it straight away. Um, but the only thing I
2: don't, don't like about sometimes in uh, comic book dialogue was when I read um, the Civil War graphic novel. There's a lot of exp- exposition in just pointing out who the characters are, which I, was, I get. They have to do. I was yeah. going to say exactly the same thing, then Dan. I was going to yeah, say exactly the like, same thing. Yes, you're right there, Tigre, and then all this other stuff and you just do. Have
3: you, do you, Have you guys read The Walking Dead? Much of the, much of the comics. Yeah, I got I've all the, the way it, to
1: I've the, read the read point. Where it jumps forward like five years or something.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. What when with the Negan stuff? It's yeah, just yeah. Like
1: uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um. I always find with with The Walking Dead. I mean, I love it. It's one of my. It's one of my favorite comic book series. But I always find sometimes the dialogue in that feels really exposition heavy, and yeah. it just doesn't feel like how people talk. Yeah. It feels like people are so they they talk like so matter of fact. And they explain things so, like, succinctly. You're just like, people don't really talk like this. But then it'll go the other way. Yeah. Some, some, of the, some of the scenes are, like, really good. And with the, with the Negan stuff, I really didn't think it would transfer to live action very well, the way he spoke and the way he kind of, like, I thought, no. If they, if they rip lines directly from the comic book, it's not going to work. But then, obviously, with the Season 7 premiere with, with Negan... It just, he said stuff that was exactly the same as in the comic books, and it just worked so well. Is that but because,
1: maybe, is that because it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's like, it's because he's because yeah.
3: he's good, he's good as a bastard and...
1: yeah,
2: yeah, that reminds me a little bit of um Suicide Squad and some of the exposition, and that the dialogue doesn't feel organic, yeah. especially on the screen. Like one part, and I'm not gonna like dive too heavy into it, but one part with um, it's Katana, isn't it? With the is that a name, yeah, with the, with yeah. the samurai sword, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's kneeled over, clearly whispering to spirits. And then one of the guys turns around goes, she can talk to the spirits in her sword. And we're like, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. tell that. You don't have to say that. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. What,
3: what I don't like is when films that are a sequel to another film constantly ex- deliver like exposition in the, as if to explain what came before. It's just like, mm. well, if you're a sequel, it's pretty likely that, the pers- that whoever's watching has seen the first one. Yeah, we just don't need this exposition. Do you, do you know what I mean? That that's that's sort of something that what I saw some recently was a lot of exposition. Oh yeah, Doctor Strange. Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah, no, I have not seen Doctor it yet. Strange. Oh, have have neither of you guys seen it? No, no not yet. Because it's an origin film, yeah. an origin story. There is a lot of exposition, but it is good. But do you know what I mean? The constant explaining of all these ridiculous, crazy things is a bit. Too much at times. Yeah, it does feel like But I guess with a Marvel origin film that you want to fit into like two hours,
1: because
3: mm. they're not just—they're not just introducing a new character. They're introducing a whole other side of the with, universe. The, yeah, so far, yeah. yeah.
1: I'm quite excited because exactly. Doctor Strange is, is always been one of my favourite characters in the Marvel universe. Um,
3: you know, I've, I've never really been massively into him to be fair. If you if you I'm, read
1: uh, there's a like a run recent. I think it's just coming to the end of its um twelve issues now. Um, but it's it's like it's it's not brutal, but it's really dark, and it's like about how Doctor Strange, when he he uses the magic, he sort of corrupts his soul as as he uses it, and it's such an, like an interesting take. It's quite funny as well, but it's um if if anyone was going to get into Doctor Strange, I'd say read that first because it's 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 a good it's a good run.
3: Yeah, yeah, I I definitely I would like to check it out because I did enjoy the character. The only thing I've ever really seen of the character though. I'm quite a layman when it comes to Doctor Strange. It's just him in other stories, yeah, yeah in, yeah, in in bigger sort of like Avengers stories or like Civil we War. We need is, someone that can do civil more than
2: their powers, yeah. But they need something yeah. fantastical to happen. It's like yeah. um, he's quite big in the in Infinity Gauntlet, isn't he? I
1: think I think he will be in the films as well. I think um, yeah, I think they've introduced him at the right time because if if they yeah. did him earlier on in Phase One, it would have been a little bit too ludicrous. But yeah, like yeah. we're all ready for it now.
3: Yeah, we've we've got we've got the galaxy that's going to like set everything up for pretty much anything and any yeah, any right. kind of any kind of because I think initially it was it was kind of It kind of felt rooted in reality, didn't it? Hmm. Until mm. until we started getting Thor. Yeah, which is, I guess I guess it was quite early on. Yeah, well, yeah,
2: especially with the first Iron Man. Yeah. Do you have any plans with your books? I know you've got a couple of um sort of novella series, but do you think you'll look at doing any full size novel series?
3: Um, I don't know really. I've I've not really had an idea that I think can span across more than one book at the yeah. moment. But I'd definitely be open to it. I think yeah. so. You can, you can create your own multiverse. I'd love to create my own multiverse, yeah. That would be that would be that sounds exciting. <laughs>
1: Uh, so we've, we've been talking for like an hour now. Um, so we should probably start to wrap up. But before we do, we need to do some quick fire questions. Quickly, please. Are you ready? <laughs> before. <laughs> uh you you know the you know how this works, right, Ben?
3: Oh, no, I know how this works, yeah. Are you gonna give me two options? I have to give you tell you which one I like the
1: most. Uh to a degree. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> to a degree. I'm terrified. Yeah. Uh, Dan, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
2: I'm trying to work out in which order to go because I'm not sure how to pronounce one of them. Oh, well, I'm not too sure <laughs> either. I'll go I'll go second.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right.
2: You ready, Ben? Wait, no, I've done that wrong. I'll go first.
1: <laughs> you ready, Ben? Okay,
2: I'm... Yeah, I'm ready. Go cool. Okay, tea or coffee?
1: Coffee. Whiskey or vodka? Whiskey.
2: Last person you sniffed?
1: Myself. <laughs> Black Mirror or Breaking Bad?
3: Oh, Jesus. Um, Black Mirror, I think. Oh,
1: really? Word? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eastern Alice or York? That's the one I don't know to pronounce. Really
3: Palanuyuk, I Pal-a-N-York, think. Pal-a-N-York.
1: yeah okay. Singing or dancing? Singing. Can't dance at <laughs> all. I've seen you dance in a sort of metal, core way. Uh, <laughs> best film? Best film, Jurassic Park. Oh,
3: that's nice spirit writer, spirit writer, uh, Palienuk, I think.
1: Uh, noise you want people to make when they receive news of your death?
3: <laughs> yeah, that,
1: that. you want to laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, cool. Okay, I think we're about done. Uh, it's, you can buy Ten Thousand Human Condition from all good Amazon stores, but you can also get the what do you call it, Ben, like, like the pack with the the graphic novel accompaniment.
3: Yeah, yeah. So the graphic novel accompaniment um, sort of, what would he say? Package. Mega pack.
1: Mega pack, yeah.
3: Mega pack. Like when you buy a sticker album and you've got stickers already in it. Yeah. It's like that. It's like buying the novel and then you get the graphic novel as well.
1: Is that, that, that's where is that? That's on your Big Cartel at the minute.
3: Yeah, yeah. So there's a Big Cartel, which is 10 Tales of the Human Condition, bit long, <laughs> bigcartel.com, I believe. Uh, Yeah, but everything's on Amazon as well. Cool, cool. And where can people find
2: you on social media?
3: Um, Twitter, which is at Ben underscore Errington. Um, I've got a Facebook page as well, which is facebook.com slash Ben Errington writer. And all over the old Hulk and Cleaver stuff as well.
1: Yeah. All over it. So I'd suggest people go to HulkandCleaver.com and and also maybe if you like what we do, if you you dig us, uh, can you dig it? Is something I'm asking you right now. And if you can go to uh, can you uh, <laughs> www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash the bird cage. And you can keep us making stuff and keep us doing new stuff. Hell yeah. Sold. Dan, are you got anything you want to tell people about? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Screw <laughs> you no, guys. Just the usual phone
2: cleaver.com sign up to the main lesson. Get yourself a free book as well. Um,
3: and yeah, listen oh, to the other shall stories. We, shall, we, shall we also say that Tom Robson, the composer for mm, um, yeah. the other stories, recently released a um, soundtrack from the podcast. So there's probably like, what, 10 tracks of yeah. deliciousness?
1: It's, so it's, about, like... it's about an hour long. It's a long soundtrack. It's good to write to, good to meditate to, yeah, yeah. have sex time to, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
3: on, bank, that's on Bandcamp. Um, I think it's it, Tom Robson Bandcamp, if you just search that, you'll
1: probably find it. Yeah, and I'll or link to that other... in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah link fantastic writing music. Yeah. Cool, okay. Uh, i are gonna hit the stop button in three, two, bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories? Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Few anyway. Toodle pip. No, no,
3: don't. Okay. Do, do it with a mindful of biscuit. Oh, welcome yeah. to the
2: Rory studio. Wait, wait, wait. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I enjoyed that.